Welcome to another video and uh, still focusing on 1972, we've only got started really. I'm going to look at uh, a number of albums from that year, bit of a mixed genre here. I've decided to go with the mix rather at this stage rather than doing three or four uh, on the one genre. Uh, hopefully that will appeal to more viewers. Hmm. Uh, well, I keep praying anyway. And I'm going to start off with uh, a classic album, really, uh, from that period. It's Argus by Wishbone Ash. Now, a bit of background. They were formed in uh, October 69 by bass guitarist Martin Turner and drummer Steve Upton. And they were a part of a band called Tanglewood. Uh, but their guitarist, uh, Martin's brother, Glenn, he decided to leave and return to his native Devon. And their manager, one Miles Copeland, uh, advertised for a guitar player and also a keyboard player. Uh, and they found uh, a couple of candidates for the guitar. Uh, um, but Andy Powell and Ted Turner, no relation to Martin, uh, but they couldn't really decide which one they wanted. So they opted to go for both of them and thought they might have a go at twin guitars, uh, much uh, following the, uh, the pattern that had been established in the United States with the Ulmer Brothers Band and the Doobie Brothers. Uh, strong elements of progressive rock, also folk and classical music. Um, they had a problem with the name as well. Um, they had band names on two sheets of, uh, of paper and eventually Martin picked one word from each list wishbone and the second list was ash and they were done that was uh, the name of their band and they released a couple of albums before august the first debut a very good album uh and the second one called uh pilgrimage and uh, so let's get on though to the number three album which is argus that album uh boasted uh extensive uh compositions uh, some of the tracks were actually a medleys of different tunes, but quite long. Time was and sometime world on the first side. And often the lyrics touched on medieval themes. Uh, the King Will Come and Warrior. Uh, this was quite popular with British rock bands at the time. It added a sort of majestic tone to the music. And uh, of course, those twin league guitar parts uh opened up the opportunity for extensive jam jamming and so uh that made the songs work very very well and uh this sort of album really did uh lay down uh their sort of style and uh was a big breakthrough really uh for them and very cohesive now i'm going to go through the track list so time was Opens us up a medley of different tunes, uh, certainly played with assurance and developing into imaginative explorations of new musical territory. It's beautifully played intro leading to the standard rock rhythms, which segued uh, in part, and the twin guitars crisscross over, bouncing solos off each other. It's clean rock and you get nine minutes of it. Nice memories listening to this again, I must admit. A song I heard aplenty in the live gigs. Wishbone Ash were regularly on the university tour. 
Uh, second track is Sometime World, a bit slower, more ballad-like, but the guitar spirals up into a slow solo. There's a slow build-up with lead solos uh, monopolising, really, with a twin guitar exchange. But they sounded so synchronised, and the loopy da-da-da singing that sweeps over it always created a good feeling. Uh, and everybody was having a great time at the live gigs. I love those rolling guitars in unison, it, but it ain't prog really, and it ain't heavy either. It's classic. And next up was Blowing Free, very much a chugging sort of beat, more harmony vocals, plus more guitars, of course. Yes, it was starting to become a bit repetitive. I played this uh, album, oh, so much back in 72, but now old and grey, of course, it all seems a little bit predictable. Next up was The King Will Come. And uh, if you look at the cover, you'll probably get some idea of the medieval tones here, the themes. It appears as storytelling, and it's added to that wah-wah guitar and thumping drunk rolls as the band launch into The King Will Come with perfect mellow harmony vocals woven with the guitars into a nice melody. It's certainly sweet with the sound mixed perfect to send the guitars from one speaker to another. Leaf and Streams next up, a bit of a soft filler really that's very pretty and uh, reminds me of an English countryside and some spacey guitar solo as well. Then we've got Warrior, more ferocious guitar sounds to start. It's a bit more hard rock, dare I say, before it mellows off into medieval fantasy. And then uh, the finale, Throw Down the Sword, segued in from Warrior. You can imagine King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table without the story, of course. Uh, as I say, the guys turn it on here with some supercharged guitar romp towards that finale. I certainly enjoyed uh, revisiting this album uh, after so many years. Uh, and it reminded me of uh, standing in that quite large university crown, uh, bobbing my head and uh, catching a, 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 a joint here and there. Uh, but am I going to listen to it next week? I don't think so. Uh, but for those who like their classic rock, very guitar orientated uh, with lots of solos, this is right up your street. So that's uh, August 1972, Wishbone Ash. Let's continue then with uh, my look at 1972, another classic album. Uh, and the one I want to look at uh, briefly is an album called Who Came First uh, by Pete Townsend. Now, uh, this solo album uh, was sandwiched between, between the two huge hits for The Who, uh, who's next in 1971, and Quadrophenia in 1973. Uh, and so it begs the question, why, why was he involved in this? Well, uh, I had a quick look around uh, Wikipedia, etc. And it is his first solo album, and it was a, a homespun uh, personal songs effort that weren't deemed suitable for The Who. And, of course, there was also an element of spiritual tribute uh, amidst the songs to P. 
Pete's guru at the time, Mehababa. Now, Townsend uh, previously participated with a few other artists on two previous albums, which were a tribute to the, the guru. Uh, those titles are Happy Birthday and I Am, and they were privately distributed in very small quantities uh, between 1970 and 1972 in the UK. But then Decker asked Townsend uh, for permission to release the recordings uh, uh, as there were inferior copies uh, lurking around in the US on boat bootleg. But uh, Townsend, rather than doing that, decided that he wanted to uh, change the track list uh, substantially and develop this solo project. And three of Townsend's demos for the aborted Lighthouse album were selected, along with two songs each from those earlier two tribute albums. And uh, so we're going to have a quick look at it. Um, from the tribute album, uh, Happy Birthday, came Content and Ronnie Lane's Evolution. The three uh, Lifehouse efforts were pure and easy. Let's get action and time is passing. And uh, I think some of these uh, cropped up on uh, Hugh, uh, Hugh on the Who albums uh, a bit further down the track. And uh, uh, let's have a quick look. Oh, yeah. And uh, the track Evolution included uh, Ronnie Lane. And that was a sort of reworking of a, a Faces uh, track that was on their debut, uh, First Step, in 1970. So anyway, a uh, bit of a mishmash, this. And a confession. Um, I have never listened to this album. Well, I have now because I've prepared for this review. Um, but uh, so I wasn't really quite sure what to expect. Uh, the cover on the front shows Townsend standing on eggs uh, and the, it poses the eternal question, who came first, the chicken or the egg? Quite amusing, really. So I'm going to go into the uh, tracks uh, on this album. As I say, two listens only uh, and both recently. And there's also going to be uh, a lyric reading for uh, the final track which is a sort of homage, really, to the spiritual guru. So let's get on with it. Now, another bit of a confession, really. I am a fan of The Who, but I'm not in love with them like some of their fans. Uh, some of their uh, songs, to me, seem a little bit mediocre, um, um, particularly on the albums. Uh, but most of that is through lack of listening. And so there may be a bit of that slipping into this review. We start off with Pure and Easy. Uh, this one's from Lifehouse. Uh, distinctive peak vocals uh, and a bit of a jumbly guitar solo towards the end. It's nice, but it had no impact on me, really. A bit of gentle folk uh, in its evolution. And so too the second track, Evolution. There's lots of great acoustic work on this by Ronnie Lane, which stands out. Forever's No Time At All uh, is a bit laid back. It's soft rock with an unusual wailing vocals, plus a nice psychedelic guitar solo at the back end. Let's See Action, which uh, became a Who uh, 
song inspired by the uh, Baba, the spiritual uh, guru. It's got some neat, neat piano slides and this sort of slides in with a, a country-like feel to it. There's a heartache following me. Uh, this is a cover of a song originally recorded by Jim Reeves. And uh, Townsend's version is very weepy and melodramatic. But it's got those country guitar rhythms of a, of a, 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 again, which is rather apt, I felt. Sheraton Gibson uh, follows. It's a neat tune about rock and roll road life. Rolling acoustic chords with piano nourish the story of life on the road in lush hotels. It's got a Crosby, Stills, Nash style chorus line as well. And then we move on to content. Uh, a bit of a plodding battle with piano here. Uh, somewhat corny lyrics about this joyous uh, feeling uh, on what happened to smashing up at hotel rooms, Pete. Delicate folk guitar bits. And so we reach the uh, uh, last track, uh, Parvadiga, which is an early seven minutes, adapted from Baba's Universal Prayer. It's got a lengthy sermon of appreciation with the infamous uh, who chord to remind us uh, as the keyboards flirt with spiritual sounds. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give it a reading. Uh, never, never really uh, made any... Uh, religious contributions on this channel, uh, partly due to the fact that I'm an atheist, uh, but maybe I can step uh, gently into spiritual feeling. Goes, O Parvadiga, the preserver and protector of all, without beginning are you Lord without end, non-dual, beyond compare, and none can measure you without colour, expression, or form, nor attributes to live, you are unlimited and unfathomable, imperishable, beyond conception by our minds. No one can defy you. Oh God, you are eternal. None can see you, but the eyes divine. You always were, you always are and always will be. You are everywhere, in everything and beyond, in the firmament above and in the deep on all the seven planes and farther on. And in all that hidden, that's hidden to our eyes and all we see beyond the trinity of words and in the vow you cannot be perceived or no one shall repent. Parvadiga, preserve, protect us all without begging. Are you Lord without end? You always were, you always are and always will be. Okay, there is more to it and it will be on the slide. So, summary. Well, uh, Pete Townsend, uh, you've got to acknowledge his contribution to uh, popular music, rock music. Um, and this seemed to me to be a bit of an self-indulgence by him. And although it's prettily played and certainly the songs are quite nice, um, it didn't move me much. Um, but maybe I need to listen to it again or maybe again. Uh, but anyway, there we have it. Who Came First? Pete Townsend, first solo album, released in 1972. I'm going to do another 1972 uh, album review. And uh, I'm dipping into Soul Motown uh, for this one. And it's uh, Music of My Mind by Stevie Wonder. 
A brief background, most people will know a little about Stevie. He was born in 1950, blind shortly after his birth, became a child protégé who sighed for Motown's Tamla label when he was 11 years of age, and he was given the professional name of Little Stevie Wonder at 13 years of age, and he became the youngest artist ever to top the Billboard charts. There was then a string of hit singles throughout the 60s for Motown, uh, and I'll list a few of my favourites. Uptight, Everything's Alright, I Was Made to Love Her, For Once in My Life, which is absolutely uh, idyllic, and My Cherie uh, Armore. He made a couple of albums uh, towards the back end of the 60s and early 70s, Where I'm Coming From, and Signed, Sealed and Delivered, which signalled to his fans his desire to move away from singles and develop his musical career without being tied to the hit factory, Barry Gordy's hit factory. And then finally, uh, when he was uh, uh, 21 years of age, his uh, contract lapsed and it, uh, Motown were obviously very eager to re-sign him and he negotiated a contract which freed him uh, completely for his artistic uh, aspect of his career and he wasn't subject at all to any of the controls anymore in terms of what he put out. Um, and so music of my mind signalled that freedom of the chains of providing those hits for Gordy, the Hits Factory. And he launched it with a set of songs that sparkle with joy, enrichment, enhances super talent, and yes, uh, his love, his love for humanity. And uh, it has to be said that the album captures the sentiment and is one of the greatest albums of all time. And when I, it hit me uh, at the tender age of 18, uh, I was in Nirvana. Uh, I bought it when it was released. And I've, I've, it's never surpassed, really, although many consider that uh, his album uh, in 1975 uh, is his pinnacle. Uh, I personally always prefer this uh, album and uh, unsurprisingly really I selected it as my number one album for 1972 uh, and I'm going to go through it now. Um, it's a little bit difficult to uh, go through the tracks um, because Stevie's music is really all about feeling and um, the lyrics can appear to be a little corny, but it's really an immaculate piece of work. It goes without saying that uh, in terms of instrumentation, uh, Stevie basically played everything on this album, apart from a couple of solos. That There will be a, a musician list to show what he was up to. Vibravone, Clavinet, he was uh, heavily into Clavinet on this album, and his harmonica playing. Uh, is absolutely superb and of course then are his uh, vocals 
and of course piano and keyboards uh, but there will be a slide about it i'm going to go through these tracks one by one um it's very difficult to pick a best track because it really just floats through your uh being uh but here goes anyway it's starting with love having you around um this is about eight minutes i think and uh, sing it stevie yes yeah, sing it that's what he did seven minutes long and I love every minute of it. What a nice groove it is. Stevie seems so happy to be free here. Uh, his vocals are wonderfully uh, enriching, displaying a tiny bit of happy soul. The instrument layering present in this song is quite alluring too. A melody is succulent. It's a super song. The array of voices is mind-boggling. They're all Stevie's, of course. And then there's that harmonica that squeaks in with the horns. The outros are pure street vibes. Absolutely enchanting. Then we've got uh, Superwoman, uh, another lengthy piece on side one. And it's, it's absolutely jam-packed with smooth soul vibes. Uh, none of that funk stuff here uh, that we had on the opener. The ladder of this part of this song is so smooth. It also packs uh, some well-utilised synths uh, to make it very 70s. Uh, and the melody is very catchy. And you just got to love listening to this guy sing this song. He's a happy sort and he knows how to write happy songs. And he makes them genuinely sound happy. Wonderful guitar meshes with keyboards and the vocals are the epitome of soul. The slow section brings me to tears with the arrangements and that whooping bass. A perfect piece of music with soul. A cascading waterfall of exuberance. And I absolutely find it enchanting. I love everything about you. It's less than four minutes this, but it's another fantastic little soul pop tune. With Stevie gives it his all. It skips in like a child finding a merry-go-round for the first time. The chorus is a thing of beauty and the percussion breathes life into this song. The outro is almost chocolate-like. And then to Sweet Little Girl. Well, the melodies and harmonies flow together and it's so natural in this song. Oh, and it's amazed me how, why this guy hasn't been writing his own songs earlier. Masterful, and his harmonica bends the notes, and it slows into a seductive come-on-with-harmonies to melt. The spoken word outro over the, uh, the, the uh, harmonica, which is a little bit manic, uh, and then there's that additional harmony. And he's got Sarita on backing vocals here, who became his wife around this time. And I, I will have to say at this point that he made a, an album with Sarita uh, called uh, Introducing Sarita, which is uh, a Stevie Wonder album, really, but it's absolutely brilliant. I'll try and get around to reviewing that. Happier Than The Morning Sun, an acoustic folk song, but it has tons of that happy feeling in it a catchy melody, probably uh, one of the most joyful songs I've ever heard with that clavinet uh, littered all over it. And here's a little bit of the chorus 
uh, and first one to the lyric. Um, it's a little bit uh, bubbly, but, uh, you know, in the context of his singing voice, I think it's perfectly apt. I'm happier than the morning sun, and that's the way you said that I would be. If I should ever bring you inside my love, I'm happier than the morning sun. And that's the way you said that I would be. If I should ever bring you inside my life. All my life I was alone, didn't think I'd find my part. But now I see there's joy inside your heart. Every day I search for the star that, that never was in the sky. And now I see this star is on earth. <laughs> Luscious, isn't it? And so on to the next track, another, another joyous occasion. It's called Burt Girl Blue. It's a giant uh, track in the history of soul R&B music. The vocals is a mirage of water in a desert. The clavinets prominent and the percussion all played by Stevie is hypnotically radiant. And again, great use of the harmonica. Uh, plus those guitar parts, very memorable indeed. Seems so long. It floats in like high summer season. Romance exactly uh, covering every every piece of it. These, these ballad soul tracks just gobble me up. I feel soothed by Stevie's vocal gentle delivery. He's almost hugging me like a, a, a father. And then we steam in to keep on running. Here the Moog work is impressive on this funky disco song. Very upbeat with prominent clavinet. Steely loves to boogie on this one. And then to the final tune, Evil. The synth intro is just uh, up there. An uplifting soul tune to emerge out of it. One that even has a choir to help him out at the end of this stellar way to end this album. It's a tour de force. And it's a rallying call for goodness to override evil. And I'm going to read some uh, the, the, the lyric for this one. Uh, it's pretty uh, easy to follow. Evil, why have you engulfed so many hearts? Evil, evil, why have you destroyed so many minds? Leaving room for darkness where lost dreams can hide. Evil, why do you infest our purest thoughts with hatred? Evil, why have you stolen so much love? Leaving everyone's emotions lost and wandering free. Evil, why have you taken over God's children's eyes? Evil, evil, before they could really grow to see. That's the way is not the way to make life what it should be. Evil, why have you destroyed? You've destroyed so much of this doggone world. Evil, hey, evil, oh, why have you broken so many homes, leaving sweet love all alone and outcast of the world? Right. So to summarise, uh, the thing is about this album, I know all the songs. They're all in my head. I read a, a comment uh, a while back on a video by James Griffiths about memory recall. And I think this test for an album that you love and you adore is how, how many of those tracks you can hear in your head and you can listen to the singing. With this album, all of them, all of them are up there. And as I read the lyric, I start to hear him singing and I start to hear the, the, the melodies 
and the sound. This is a purely genius of a piece of work. Music of my mind from 1972 by Stevie Wonder. <laughs> 